I was 16 years old, sitting where some of you are in Alliance Church during our missions festival when God tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want your life. And it took me, uh, it was a little bit of a struggle to obey, but God usually wins. He always wins, actually. And I actually followed him in obedience, and that's why I'm standing here today. It's great to be with you today. Thank you again for the opportunity to just share a little bit about what it means to be an international worker and what God is doing in the city of Mexico, the capital of Mexico. You, as the Worldwide Alliance family, have supported over 700 missionaries working in 70 nations, and we now have 20,000 national churches all around the world. The most of them are outside the United States and Canada. Local churches like you have sent me and many others to tell about the only relationship that really matters, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Thank you very much for your support in so many ways, your prayers, your faithful giving, your love, and so many other ways that you've supported me these last 30 years plus. Today you have the opportunity again to respond to God's question. Are you ready? Will you work with me and bring in the kingdom? May God continue to give us his eyes, his ears, and his heart for the people and the nations who have not heard the message of Jesus Christ yet. May we awaken to kingdom reality. Jesus is coming back to establish his kingdom for all eternity. Are we ready? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you're asked about the Christian hope you have, always be ready to explain it. It was December 15, 2015, and I found myself sitting in a jail cell in the municipal buildings in the area of Mexico City where I lived. The bare cement bench was bone-chilling cold. The air reeked of urine and excrement, and as I looked around, the only thing I saw in the corner was a dead mouse, and I was pretty sure he had expired from the smell. After being frisked and stripped of my cell phone and all other valuables, I had only a Kleenex in my pocket, which I promptly put over my nose and mouth. I admit I was scared. That morning, while driving to pick up another missionary, on my way to lead a Bible study for women ministry in another part of the city, a woman had walked in front of my car in rush hour traffic. In Mexico that very day, the law had changed. That meant that any driver of a motorized vehicle was exclusively responsible for any incident with a pedestrian. No questions asked. In Mexico, one is guilty until proven innocent. Foreigners are not exempt from laws in Mexico. So there I was, wondering what might happen to me, and praying desperately for God to touch the woman who had walked in front of me and heal her. All of the horror stories that I'd heard about Mexican jails were bombarding my mind at that moment. Well, after several sessions of questionings by official people there, I was transferred to the general holding cell. I sat down, still shaking, lifted my head, and across me sat a young man with his head in his hands. He looked up at me. I saw he looked scared and rather hopeless, and I'm sure he was wondering what his future was too. And I said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Dante. As we talked, I learned that he had a two-year-old daughter. His wife and he had waited eight years. She was a miracle, he said. He worked as a sound technician in a public events company, and he was missing the biggest chance and the biggest bucks of the whole year, sitting in that jail cell with me. His dreams seemed to be shattering all around him. Then he began to ask me some questions about my work. And I remembered that verse, always be ready to explain the hope you have in Christ. So I shared Christ, my hope, 
with Dante, and I prayed that he would understand. It was New Year's Eve, and I just walked through the door of my friend's apartment and set the food I took to share on her table, and my cell phone rang. The party was just about to begin, so I stepped aside to answer it so I could hear, and I was just about to say what we always say at 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, Feliz Año Nuevo, when I heard my friend Anita sobbing on the other end of the, the line. I couldn't understand what she was saying. She was saying something about her daughter, Annette. When she finally calmed down a bit, she told me Annette had gone out for a bike ride in the neighborhood where they were visiting her father in Laredo, Texas, and had been hit by a car, dumped on her head on a cement sidewalk without a helmet. They were begging for prayer, and she said, they're just about to life flight her to San Antonio, Texas, University Hospitals. Will you please pray for a miracle for us? Well, that New Year's Eve party soon changed tones, and we prayed through the night that God would spare Annette's life. Through friends in Venezuela, who were living in Texas, we located two Hispanic pastors who were willing to go to the hospital and pray with Annette and Anita. They too shared the hope of Christ and gave them money for food and offered any support they could actually give to them. Anita shared later how she felt so wrapped in God's love and a peace that passes all understanding just enveloped her in that hospital room as she waited to see what would be the outcome for Annette. One week later, Annette was released from the hospital and was on her way back home to Mexico City. She recovered completely, with the exception of losing her hearing in one ear, and she finished her senior year of high school at the top of her class. So worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if you're asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. I live to tell of the only relationship that gives hope and meaning to life, even in the midst of the most desperate and challenging situations, and that's a personal relationship with God through Christ Jesus. My life has been an extension of your love to my Mexican friends and neighbors. I live to be, I live to be an example of Jesus Christ and his power to transform lives and make us like his son, Jesus Christ. My desire is that people would see Jesus in me and ask, why are you different? I serve on a team whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus and establish communities of faith that can impact their communities with the good news of Jesus Christ in strategic areas of Mexico City, Mexico, and around the world. It's my privilege to walk alongside, to teach and mentor the men and women God is raising up to serve him as godly leaders in their local communities of faith in Mexico. Today, I hope you'll see how the investment of many in my life has multiplied, touching the lives of others. The kingdom of God has expanded one life by one life, family by family. Your life and my life can connect others to life in Jesus Christ here and around the world. So don't miss out on the opportunity to partner with us as we share the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who transforms our lives and makes a difference and can actually impact the lives of our communities and our world. You may have wondered if I've ever asked myself, is it really worth it all? It was Friday morning about a year ago in Mexico City, and I woke up with a start, and these words went through my mind. Today is the day of salvation. While still half asleep, I got up and made my way to the kitchen to fix my morning cup of coffee, and as the caffeine made made its way to my brain, I began to think, well, that's really strange. Why would Jesus bring 2 Corinthians 6-2 to mine? Then I remembered I'd been asking God, if the time I invested each Thursday morning with Mary reading the word and praying was really making any difference. 
She constantly challenged me on the thought that God, if he, God loves everyone, why is there so much suffering in the world? And if God loves me and loves everyone else, why is it fair that this person who does terrible things would have a chance to get into heaven and live with me for eternity? And how can we be sure anyway that the word of God is the truth? She'd heard some very interesting stories about the Bible stories as she grew up. She had every right to ask that question. I wouldn't believe what she heard either. I'd shared the way to know Jesus, and another friend in our group, the only believer, Judy, had shared the way to know Jesus too. We'd prayed for her husband, and her husband had been healed. We'd prayed, we'd walked with her through her mother's death, and death of a mother in Mexico is very traumatic. But you know what? I really wondered if she would ever come to let God into her life and know Jesus as her personal Savior. Was it really worth it, or should I just maybe pull back a bit here and not meet with her every month? So I've been asking God. Well, wait, I thought. Could it be that God was answering my prayer and that today would be the day of salvation for Mary? I became a bit more excited as I dressed quickly, stuck my Bible in my backpack, and walked the 10 blocks to the metro station or the subway station where I would meet Judy. As Judy came up the stairs, I said, guess what I think God said to me today? Do you think this could be the day of salvation for Mary? Would you like to try one more time and present the gospel to her? Her eyes got bigger and she was getting excited too. So we prayed as we walked to Mary's apartment and we sat down. So I said to Judy, okay. She started sharing about how to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And when she got to the end of sharing, she looked at Mary in the face and she said, Would you like to have that kind of a relationship? And Mary said, yes. And I about fell off my chair. That was the day of salvation for Mary. Then I knew it was worth it all. God is at work in the huge metropolis of Mexico City, just like he's at work in the communities here. The question is, are we awake and in tune with the reality of his kingdom? Or are we on a different agenda? I hope through the following PowerPoint that you will catch a glimpse of how God is waking us up in Mexico to what he wants for that great nation and for the world and people. Join me. Awaken to kingdom reality. Live in the age of kingdom come in ways that bring in the coming king. Jesus is talking to his disciples in in Matthew 24 and 25, answering their questions about what's going to happen in the future. And in the middle of this, he comes to them and says, you're not going to know but this is one sign, and the, end, and the good news will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then, finally, the end will come. So wake up. He says, you don't know what day that will be, so always be ready. And he tells about the ten bridesmaids who were supposed to be wait, ready and waiting. Always be investing. And he tells another story. And always be serving. And he gives some very specific examples of what that means. Always be ready, because the Son of Man will come when we least expect it. He's not coming on my timeline of of Revelation or anybody else's timeline of Revelation. And he tells the story of the ten, ten bridesmaids who were waiting, waiting for the bridegroom to come. Five of them are actually ready, and five of them are doing something else. I don't know where they were, but they didn't have oil in their lamps, and when the bridegroom came, they weren't ready. And we know the end of that story. Five were in and five were out. Always be serving. 
In Mexico City, we estimate that there are 28 million people, less than 2% of them, who are ready. That means they wouldn't be considered to have a faith relationship through Jesus Christ. 2% out of 28 million people, you guys do the math. There are lots of other philosophies, religions, and cults that are prevalent there among the general population. They worship many other gods, little g, like Saint Death. The Santa Muerte, or the skeleton saint as they know it, is known as the saint of the marginalized of society. Her temple is down in the middle of city center in a very dangerous part called Tepito, which I wouldn't be caught dead in. There are 10 to 12 million followers worldwide. A lot of those are in Los Angeles, California. It's associated with the Day of the Dead, which is celebrated on November 1st and 2nd. During this time of year, we always feel a great deal of spiritual oppression in the city of Mexico. It seems very dark and heavy. Many of our, our missionaries actually experience a lot of sickness and other oppressive things. Some consider to be the reincarnation of the Aztec goddess, Mictecasibotl, who presided over the Festival of Death every August. The Aztec people were very well known for their agriculture and many other things. They were also known for their cruelty. They uh, kept their prisoners alive until this day, and then they literally ripped their hearts out and offered them to this goddess. Some referred to her as a, this cult as a death cult for criminals and drug traffickers. Why? Because they actually go and pray to her so that they'll have success in their missions. And they do. Skulls and cadavers are more than just a cultural symbol and something to wear or have as a piece of artwork in our homes. I learned that many people live in spiritual captivity to the saint death. I was a Wednesday night, and one of my missionary friends and I were asked to go talk with Rosario and her husband. The missionaries had noticed in this group that there, was, uh, there were a few kind of unusual manifestations as she would come into the worship service. And they were concerned. Their first reaction was to ask my counselor friend, would you please just talk with her to see if she has any psychological issues or any other thing that's going on in her family that would make her kind of freak out during worship time. And as we sat there, I began to get the sense that, you know, something else is going on here. And so I thought, you know, the litmus test of what's going on is to ask the person to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And and so we went through a few little of the affirmation statements about who is Jesus. And when we got to that question, her face went white, her eyes rolled back. She grabbed all of her husband by his neck, trying to choke him. And the the husband actually got away from her, and then she fell to the ground, and this voice said, I'm going to kill you. It's not innocent, but God is greater. He delivers. He has victory over the powers of death. We just sang that. Do you believe it? Rosario now worships in total freedom with a great smile on her face. Her name meant recipient, or in Spanish we call it receiver, and her father had prayed that she would be the receiver of all the demons he worshipped. No wonder she manifested during worship time. Are we ready? Are we loving God above, a God above all others and all things? Are we loving and showing others there is hope for today and f- for the future? Always be investing what he's given us and what will last. Jesus tells the story of the three servants. Remember one got five One got two and one got one, talents or pieces of gold or whatever you want to call it. And the point of the story was how are they going to invest those? What was going to be their gain? 
Two of them invested well and one didn't. I always thought, you know, that's kind of a strange story. I always felt like the one who got one talent. And so for a long time, I struggled with that. But the point of it is, it's not how much you're given, it's what you do with what you have been given. These pastors invest their lives in some very difficult places and challenging places. The pastor Mario, the little short guy in the middle for whom they're praying, actually is a pastor way up in the state of Hidalgo on the outskirts of Mexico, three hours up the mountains in a very remote place. He has been beaten. He's been thrown out of his village. He's been in prison. They burned his, his home and he and his wife have suffered greatly, but they've remained faithful and they've invested their lives in Aguatitla and there are now two churches there. These are our fishers of men from the western states of Mexico, and these people have been meeting with their national leaders to talk about how can we continue to invest in the kingdom of God so that more people will be reached. One of the questions I like to ask as I'm in leadership development classes is, how does God form leaders? What makes a leader? What makes a leader in Mexico? What makes a leader in the church? And it's always interesting to see the contrast between what the Bible says about spiritual leaders that impact the world and community and about what our culture says or our history says about leaders. I'm investing by training others to serve. And here we're learning how to serve God and share the good news with those who suffer from addictions. Why in the world do we talk about addictions in leader development classes? Because almost everyone who walks through the door of a community of faith in Mexico will have suffered from one addiction or another. The top two addictions are alcohol and drugs. The second one is pornography, and pornography touches every person's life in Mexico if you're a young man. We're just a bit more prepared to love and serve through our local churches. Training men and women, faithful men and women who will train others, means we're always investing and multiplying our investments. We're also training women to finster other hurting women from Cuba to Mexico to Costa Rica. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to meet with one of my colleagues from Venezuela and go to San Jose, Costa Rica, in the outskirts in a, in a community development project where these women were trying to feed hungry children who didn't have enough to eat after school, trying to provide a work, a type of, of, of uh, what would you call it, job that, that women could support their, themselves with. These women were hurting as well, but before they could actually serve well, they needed to take care of some of their own stuff. So we're learning to fill our cups or our lives with what will last and trust the only one who is worthy of our trust. Every woman in that circle had either been molested or raped. And we're investing through international training course. This was a dream come true for me. I've been working with the International Training Alliance for about five years through the Leadership Matters course. This is a course that teaches us many skills and how to, to really serve God in a better capacity. And we'd really been praying that God would allow us to get this going in Spanish. And so I was on the team that got to pioneer this in Spanish. So I worked with them in the translation and getting the materials together and then had the opportunity to actually lead one of these as a facilitator. Our first one was in Peru. And even you know the story of Lima, Peru? Lima, Peru is where God came down. And the, the gospel just spread and it just, churches came up all over the place. And the result of that is many, many pastors who are serving And a lot of those pastors came to this course. And then I sensed God saying to me, you need to step aside. You need to champion other younger leaders who can step up and take this forward. Those who speak Spanish as their first language, not their second language. 
And so God allowed me to step back and I'm the support person behind the scenes. We're investing in young leaders who in turn invest their lives to serve God in their faith and community and world. I've had the privilege of mentoring the young woman on the left. I've had the privilege of talking with the other members of the worship team there at my home church in Mexico City about what it means to walk with God each day. We celebrate the life God has given each one to invest. I love to see this picture. It just reminds me of how much potential there is in young people. There are so many different, there's a man who works in petroleum. There's a young couple who are working in thinking about going to reach some of the ethnic groups in Mexico that don't know Jesus yet. There's a woman who works in drama. There's a woman who's a chef. There's another woman who's a university professor. And then there's one that's being sent out by one of the the communities in Mexico City as a missionary, undercover. And they're taking the good news to the university campuses across Mexico. The university that exists in Mexico City has 300,000 students. Ana Miriam, the one on the left, is called La Reina del Sur, the Queen of the South. She is responsible for training all the workers that work with COMPA, which is the InterVarsity Fellowship, Christian Fellowship in Mexico, training them to lead studies all across university campuses, secular, atheistic, socialistic, communistic, everyistic you can think of, except Christianistic. These people have just been prepared to lead the Spanish Bible studies in Urbana of 2018. They're studying the book of Revelation. And we're learning about God's heart for the nations through the Kairos course. This is, of course, was the old perspectives course. Some of you may have heard of it. And our Kairos facilitator team, for the first time ever, are all Mexican leaders investing and serving in the kingdom. They're learning about those nations and peoples who haven't heard the good news yet. And they're responding, who will go and who will send them? God's spirit is moving among young men and women to go. But first they're praying to the Lord of the harvest to send out the workers he wants to send out into the harvest. God is moving his people to pray for the harvest in Mexico and around the world. Unashamedly, they're standing in their city centers and proclaiming God's victory over these dark and corrupt places. They're praying for the city in which they live and the country in which they live. People of all ages are praying, not just the young, the old, everybody in between. So always be investing. What will Jesus say to us about our investments? Well done or throw that useless servant into outer darkness? Jesus said to those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. So always be investing, but always be serving. Now he tells the story, an interesting story about what it means to serve. Have you ever wondered why he said all these things when he was talking about serving? For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they kind of look at him funny and said, when did any of that ever happen to you? And then how did he reply? When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you were doing it to me. Always be serving because each person in the kingdom is precious and the kingdom of God is love. I've had the privilege of being a volunteer at El Recobro, the recovery home for the past three years. That's where about 130 of the least wanted women 
in Mexico City live. Women who are taken off the street, why? Most of them have psychiatric issues, psychological problems. They suffer physically. They have mental issues. They can't learn. Nobody wanted them. So a woman had a vision to provide a home for them where they would be safe, they would be cared for, they would be fed, they would be clothed, and they would have a chance to hear about Jesus. Serving each precious one at El Recobro brings brings kingdom rewards for all. I think I was probably more rewarded than they ever were at the time I served there. One morning, God prompted me to to, um, do the devotional for them, and we talked about God has given each one a name, and their name has a meaning. And as I watched them, some could understand better than others, but when I said, God gave you a name, you have a name, you're important to God, their eyes just lit up. They were important to God. The least wanted were important are important. Braveheart is one of our social justice and compassionate passion arms of our team in Mexico City, and they're empowering people to make a difference in their own communities through serving them. Paulina is a young woman in the center. Paulina has a story. I don't have time to tell it all, but she was an atheistic university student on the University of Campus of Mexico City when Heather Hahn, one of our missionaries, looked at her and thought, there's potential. So she invited her to join her in an after-school homework help for the Otomi children who come to city to Coyacan to sell their artisanry projects. So they help them learn because their parents don't speak Spanish. When they study Spanish in school, the kids need help doing their homework. So Paulina was there helping doing homework. And at the end of the time, Heather would always tell a Bible story. And Paulina was listening. Wouldn't you know? She actually came to know Jesus through listening to children's Bible stories. And God called her just six, well, she went at the end of August. She went to one of the remote ethnic um, groups of the Wiharica out in Jalisco, close to Guadalajara, or not so close, actually, in the mountains of Guadalajara, to live in that community. And she's telling Bible stories to the kids that come visit her after school. Braveheart also serves in San Pablito. What do they do in San Pablito? It's part of a microeconomics project there where they're encouraging artists and giving them dignity for what they actually make. Beautiful artisanry that they actually remarket in Canada and the U.S. for fair trade uh, prices. And they encourage their creativity. There's so much to see in God's creation. And most of the artists will say, what inspires you? When you ask them, what, what inspires you? They said, the creation Creation, there's so many colors. There's so many different things that we see in creation. Most of them are actually spiritists, so they actually worship creation. One day, some of them will worship the God, the creator of creation. And disaster relief. We had an opportunity to serve after the earthquake of September 2017. That's when I saw the generous heart of Mexican people. Many people lost their homes. Lots of them lost their lives. But for those who were without homes, we gathered water, clothes, food, anything you can imagine in these big, huge piles in the city center and in many different locations throughout the city. And everyone, it was a hands-on, everyone helped as they could. Even the ladies holding this torn sign that says, silence, please. Why would they say silence? Because they were trying to listen and hear the cries of survivors. And many of our teams went to Oaxaca, which was the epicenter of the earthquake, and took mattresses and gas stoves. That's what they needed most. Their houses were a mess, they didn't have a place to live, and they didn't have any place to cook. But I was really impressed by the story of Pastor Arturo, who just simply listened to their stories of pain and loss. Maybe he couldn't do anything about rebuilding their house, but he could listen. A great gift. So how are we serving? 
Who are the least of these in your world? What will Jesus say to us when we meet him one day? Well done. Well done, Jose, Mylene, Josue. These are uh, youth pastors from my time in Venezuela who were tragically killed in an auto accident. She was pregnant with their second child. Well done, Tim Greenfield. Tim passed away two years ago, and Janice returned to Guadalajara to serve God there. And well done, Pastor Eduardo. It was two weeks after our concilio in May when we received the word that Pastor Eduardo, the man in the pink t-shirt, was promoted to eternity with God. So we place our hope in the resurrection, but who will take his place in the harvest? Who will go and serve in his place? Awaken. Are we ready? Are we preparing? How are we preparing for his come, coming? How are we investing? How are we serving? How has God been speaking you, to you today? Has he been asking you to pray more? I would appreciate your prayers. Take one of my prayer cards. They're in various places around the, the um, entryway. You can partner with us through prayer. Maybe you'd like to support financially. Many of you already do. Or maybe God's saying you could give a little bit more. Maybe there's something in your budget that you don't really need. You could give a little bit more. I'd encourage you to do that. Your investment will never return unrewarded by God. Or maybe God's saying you could go. You don't have to be young. We have a lot of second career people serving with us now. Maybe God is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, you could invest your life. You still have more years. If God's been speaking to you about going, come and talk with me. Maybe God's saying, you know, I don't have a personal relationship with, with him through Jesus. Come talk to one of us. We'd love to share how that's possible. Again, I want to say thank you very much for your support, for your love. Thank you for being faithful here, for loving God and serving him here, and for making it possible for us to go elsewhere. Together, we can partner to point others to the only relationship that satisfies, brings life, and gives hope for eternity, Jesus. He is coming back again. Are we ready? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you never give up on any of us and you're always patient and you give us opportunities day after day to share about Jesus Christ, the hope we have. And Lord, we pray that today as you've been speaking by your spirit to people here, that they will respond. Lord, that our hearts would be open, that our ears would be in tune with what you're doing in your kingdom. Open our eyes to see right around us and in other places where you're at work. Oh God, use us. Help us to serve you faithfully till the very end when you will come back again. We trust you, Jesus. Amen.